it's time to get informed and inspired. This is Saturday Morning Live, sponsored by Asset Advisors, LLC, at Linden Sheet Metal on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. KGMI and the Cascade Radio Group receive financial compensation to present this program in its entirety. Opinions and information expressed are those of the host and or sponsors and do not necessarily reflect those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. Good morning and welcome to Saturday Morning Live. This is not Ashley Buttonshone. This is Lyle Sorensen filling in today for Ashley who got called away. But we're going to have a great show today. Uh, better than the gray, rainy, stormy predicted weekend that it looks like we may have. But don't never fear because February is not yet here and it's very often snowy in February. So we'll see what happens. But I wouldn't count out another bit of cold and white before we're through with this winter. So you guys are in for a treat. Um we have 42nd District Repre- Legislative Representative Alicia Rule will be joining us by phone today with a legislative update. Um, we should be having some really great conversations. There's so much going on in Olympia. Good morning and welcome, Alicia. Morning, Lyle. Good morning. It's great to be with you. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. Yeah. You know, I probably got you riled up enough already. You won't even need that quad shot. <laughs> I am very happy to have my coffee, and I will tell you, Olympia is always rainy, so it's no surprise to me that it's another dreary day. <laughs> right. Well, and yeah, I'm not going to, I was going to make a smart remark, and I'm just going to leave it alone as I sit here <laughs> and uh, drink my RC, my, my cred cutter. So, Alicia, what, what have you been working on for us the last three weeks? Yeah, things file. The the funny thing is when I hear you say the last three weeks, it's a little bit jarring to me because the way time works down here is we're working on this compressed, intense schedule that it it more feels like three months, but it is indeed has been three weeks. And I really have been intensely working on um, multiple ways to protect our community. So definitely trying to have more nuanced conversation about the hardest things. Um, I just saw a headline the other day that that said something that didn't surprise me, and I've been saying for a while, Whatcom County actually has more fentanyl deaths than King County. Yeah, guess who, and, guess who came up with that statistic and put it in terms of uh, deaths per 100,000? I mean, didn't your gut know it? Mine did. I, I kept saying it, and people thought that could be impossible, but... We yep. really are in a crisis. Right. Well, and and those stats, and it's funny that King actually picked those up as well. Um, I generated those numbers on the 29th of December um, and posted them on my page, Public Safety Matters, on Facebook. Um, and so those numbers are actually a little bit low. Um, those are based on 130 deaths um, in Whatcom County. We ended yeah. up having two more before the end of the year, unfortunately. Um, so I mean, it is it is so striking to me. One thing I will say about being Olympia in this session is I am so happy that a lot of people from home are coming in person to see me. 
Um, it's been so refreshing. I think that's increased this year. And, uh, you know, the folks that are impacted by this pretty consistently are people that grew up in our community. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, names I recognize and people who went to high school. It's the same high school as I went to. Um, and, and I find that to just be, I guess, compelling because we know that this is such a system-wide problem where we've got, you know, risk, I think, to, to all of our kids, all of our young people, but, but really it, it doesn't discriminate. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're just seeing this impact that's, that's unacceptable. I, I love that, you know, in my mind, there's this kind of this ongoing mantra that I hear from Lummi, which is we're tired of going to funerals. The Lummi and Nation for, has really yeah. stepped up and taken a, a large leadership role in um, combating it and and not just talk. They've taken serious action. You know, they're disenrolling dealers. They're, you know, they're taking big steps. Yeah. Hopefully the rest um, of us can match their efforts. Well, I'm working in close partnership with them, and they have just proven time and time again to have their eye on the prize and they're delivering. And so I really am hopeful that we can do the same uh, one of the bills specifically that I'm prime sponsoring has been in close partnership with Lummi, and that's to try to just zero in and target on dealers. Mm-hmm. You know, we are doing a lot of good collective, non-controversial work on recovery and treatment, and um, really, I think you know, a lot of good work is happening in that space. We are going to see big improvements, big investments. And that's critical. That's a critical piece. But the piece that I think is missing is this other piece that that we're just not stopping or even attempting to stop the flow of of this deadly poison. It's just it's just coming. These dealers are businessmen. Yep. They're I, you know they're targeted. They yep. know exactly what they're doing. Well, and I would 100 percent agree with you. You know, there's there's some rhetoric out there that talks about oh the failed war on drugs. We shouldn't do anything like that because that doesn't work. And it's like I know from previous conversations that you and I have had, we've got this very huge dichotomy that's this or that. And as we've said, this is a big enough problem that it needs to be an and solution. All hands that on is deck. So true. All solutions on deck. That means we need to use interdiction. We need to use incarceration. You know, we need to use incarceration as an intentional tool, you know, because we don't have involuntary commitment, strong involuntary commitment laws that we can use for people who are out of their mind. You know, what's amazing is people, when they do get arrested, a lot of the times we can't even, they they have to have their competency restored so that they can stand trial. But yet when they're on the street, they are allowed to make decisions for themselves. No, I don't want treatment. Yes, I want more drugs. No, I don't want shelter. Right? So well, how, it's such a it's such a contradiction. Yeah. Well, one of the one of the biggest problems actually that we're seeing is that they can't have we we don't have our system built out in a way right now. Although there are strong efforts to to improve this that allows them access to get that process happening. And so I don't know if you or listeners are, are ever paying attention to Seattle politics, but um, a friend of mine, sometimes we can pair up. And when we pair up, we can get things done in a different way. And so 
another legislator and I, um, Representative David Hackney, he, he represents the area around Tequila. Um, oh, they've got big problems. Yeah. Somebody got yeah, killed well, at Costco in Tequila yesterday. Alicia, I've got to, I'm going to take that little interruption yeah. to create a bigger interruption. We're going to run out to a break. You're listening to Saturday Morning Live. I'm Lyle Sorensen. We'll be right back with Representative Alicia Rule. The snow is dubbing in the mountains and foothills, which means it's time to gear up for winter fun. When it comes to outdoor play in the wintertime, nobody beats Mount Baker Motorsports in Bellingham. They're your authorized Arctic Cat snowmobile and off-road dealer and have everything you need for your winter adventures. Mount Baker Motorsports offers an extensive parts and accessories department, apparel for the winter riding season, and a service team for all repairs and upgrades to your existing sleds. Are you working outside during the cold and snowy season? Mount Baker Motorsports has you covered. They have an extensive selection of ATVs and side-by-sides that can be fitted with snow plows, cabin enclosures, and heater systems to ensure that you can get the job done. Stop by and visit Mount Baker Motorsports today at the corner of Woburn and Iowa in Bellingham, or check them out online at mountbakermoto.com. Mount Baker Motorsports, Whatcom County's premier power sports dealer, featuring Arctic Cat, Kawasaki, KTM, CF Moto, Husqvarna, and Gas Gas. If you love to travel, Capital One has a rewards credit card that's perfect for you. With Venture X, earn unlimited double miles on everything you buy and turn everyday purchases into extraordinary trips. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges where you just check in and chill out. Open up a world of possibilities with Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. Lounge access is subject to change. See CapitalOne.com for details. If you're looking to get a new car, you could really cut expenses by bundling your car and renter's insurance with Progressive. Sure, you love your old car, but you know it's not normal to give instructions on how to open the window. It should be self-explanatory, but it's not. And notice how when you're in other people's cars, you can feel cushion in the seats? That's pretty nice, right? No, it's just normal. So bundle your renter's and car insurance with Progressive and put the savings toward a new car. It's time. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. Not available in all states. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. Good morning. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Live. This is Lyle Sorensen, joined by Representative Alicia Rule. Hey, before we get too far and before we get into this next segment, if you have questions for Alicia, 676-KGMI, 676-5464. We aren't going to be putting you on the air but what we will do um, is our producer, Emma, will take your name, your location, and your question, and then we'll work it into our conversation this morning. So we want you to have an ability to ask questions, um, but because of the short format that we have, we're not going to be putting people on the air today. Alicia, so you were talking I, about David Hackney and Tequila. Yeah, well, all that to say, and and there's another, there's uh, several of us who are working on really what it means to restore the rule of law. And the agreement that we've got is, look, you have to have all parts of the system functioning and funded. Yes. And uh, competency restoration is one that is really, really important and not working well. Um, so that is one piece, but there, there are several others as well. The two of us, Rep, uh, Representative Hackney and I, have put together a public safety caucus. Mm-hmm. And it's really getting a lot of attention and, and input. Okay. Um, and it feels to me like there may be finally an opportunity 
to have some bipartisan, bicameral, so that both the Senate and the House work, uh, and, and including, you know, stakeholders like the city attorney from Seattle who came in and spoke with us right. and others to be able well, to Well, she's got out the High Flyer tactics. Initiative, right? The High User Initiative program? Um, I am actually not familiar with oh. all of her work, but I was very yeah. inspired by her her speech the other day. She's amazing. I wish we would have had a High User Initiative here. Well, we certainly can talk about it because we are now building relationships. And when we do this, we can have a safe place to not call names or point fingers, right. but to say, hey, look, we have an 89% increase in homicides in Washington. Right. It's time to do something, and it's time to do something together. We can't say that any of us has the answer to that because we haven't gotten it dialed in. So let's sit down and have a really true conversation, one that brings in multiple points of view. And I feel excited about that work beginning. That's what I've been working on, Olympia. <laughs> well, that's great. You know, something while you're there, I've got a I've got a request. Um, and that request would be we need some funding for an interim jail in Whatcom County, because we approved a levy, but we have nowhere to put anybody. The last needs professional needs assessment that we had said that we needed six hundred and forty nine beds to meet the county's need through twenty twenty six. We won't have a new facility till 2029. Right now, we've got about 325 on a good day. So we've mm-hmm. literally got half the capacity that we're supposed to have. We have between five and 10,000 outstanding warrants, and we don't have the capacity to deal with it. We yeah. need interim capacity. Help us, please. Yeah, so the way funding works when it comes to government-to-government funding is from the state level, to put it in layman's terms, I have to have a place to write the check. And that means that our local government needs to go through a formal process. It's not a complicated process. But Do we a need to declare an emergency? Of That's a great question. But they, they, they do a formal process, and then they request the money, and then I work to secure it amongst the other folks at the state to be able to deliver that. I have not seen that request specifically. But I not. love that you asked about a state of emergency uh, because I do think that we need a state of emergency declared on fentanyl. Yeah, and, and public safety in Whatcom yeah. County, honestly, because we don't have capacity. It's yeah. not safe. I mean, I, I've just got to tell you, I've got a scanner going almost all the time, and it's kind of become an interesting entertainment. It's better than TV most of the time. And the amount of people who are brought into custody, who have outstanding warrants, is unbelievable. And the majority of them are let go. So if you've got an outstanding warrant in Whatcom County, and there's between five and 10,000 outstanding warrants, those aren't a request. You know, those aren't a recommendation. Those are a court order. And, yep. and I place some blame on the judges for not holding law enforcement and our elected officials in contempt because they do have the power to do that as judges and, you know, order Interim capacity. I mean, that's a little bit different approach, but you know what? It needs to happen because those aren't recommendations. They're issuing bench orders. Well, I think you're speaking of my earlier comment on what is it going to take to fully fund and support the rule of law? Yes. All all pieces have to be in place. We yep. have a system that 
works when it's balanced. And when we ignore one part and put have the emphasis on the other, we lose the ability for it to be effective. And I think we yeah. have to bring that conversation back to the table and sit down and, and really critically look at where our priorities are. Uh, there is not one single place in that I can think of that isn't having a staffage shortage. So, we, you know, this is a daily conversation for us in the legislature. What are we going to do about this? One of the things I know is we need pro- both prosecute- prosecutors and defenders. So we need both of those lawyers. Who would have ever thought we've gotten into a place in, in life where we have a shortage on lawyers? But we, but we do. We have a shortage of, of lawyers who are willing to work in this very difficult situation with fairly low pay compared to other competing interests. Um, that's not an easy problem to solve, but it is one that I'm aware of and that we are going to have to intervene on. Mm-hmm. Because if you, can't, if you can't provide that kind of balance, you can't have a fair justice system. Right. Well, to be honest work. with you, though, in terms of the prosecutors and, and the public defenders, um, when you look at the way things are charged and you look at the sentences and stuff, I would say there's a trend with prosecutors to take the easy road. Um, they want to clear stuff off, so they back away from um, a more severe charge for one that they think is a slam dunk, and they do that instead of going for a charge that would carry an appropriate penalty, and which does not do justice. Um, it puts someone away for a little while, but it doesn't really... You know, I think we need to rename our, our criminal justice system to be the victim and criminal justice system because we're forgetting victims in the middle of all this. Yeah, I do agree with that as well. I think that's part of my plan for our public safety caucus is to bring in um, more victim voice. And, and I like to call them survivors. Yep. Um, I don't want to lose track of the fact ever we get way too involved in victimhood. I agree with you. Yeah, and and that the people who have survived these horrific, traumatic events in their life are some of often some of the most strong, stable people that I've ever worked with. Yes, and I appreciate their input really kind of at the top. I mean, I want to hear what they have to say because they know. Talk about lived experience. Let's tap into that. Right. I spoke with a woman the other day who's um, been dealing with uh, a history of domestic violence and a current situation of, of stalking. And so she came to Olympia to, to talk about her challenge and how just almost unreal, but knowing that it is real, her experience has been and how disappointing it's been in the way that the system has failed her. So, you know, I continue to say if we look at it from the standpoint of the survivor, I think we'll know what we need to do next. Right. Well, and I think what happens so often is that the offender or the perpetrator gets pulled into the criminal justice system and all of our focus is on that individual. Right. It's like, oh, we've got to keep this person from, you know, and oh, they were, you know, and you hear it in the defenses. Oh, he had a terrible childhood. Every adult in his life failed him. All these bad things happened. And it's like, yeah, that's true. But you that doesn't absolve you from responsibility for your choices and actions. Well, that, that's absolutely true. But the other thing that's also true 
is that I'm pretty excited about what we're learning about what can actually help both survivors and the perpetrator to not repeat. And, and so if we have better information in order to stop that cycle, we should use every single tool that we have. And sometimes that is incarceration. We have an obligation to keep our community safe. Well, and all of it's those... also what we do there. Yep. And we can do things in, in that process so that it can turn the corner for this person who very likely, by the way, has also been a victim, right? There are no perfect victims. Yep. And, and so it's important to understand that this is the nuanced stuff that isn't getting talked about right now. That this is sort of complicated, but I believe we can do it. Alisa, you can stop somebody. You know what? I got to stop you right now because we've got to go to our bottom of the hour break. You're listening to Saturday Morning Live. I'm Lyle Sorts <laughs> right here with uh, State Representative Alicia Rule. We'll be right back after the little, this bottom of the hour break, and we're going to talk about diversion. A crisp company logoed shirt and uniform from Bergen. Whatcom County's local logo apparel experts makes your employees look and feel more professional. Bergen pairs their commitment to personal service with professional results, specializing in embroidery and all kinds of logoed promotional products. Unlike when you place an order online, Bergen's guarantees that your order will be completed on time to your specifications with a smile. Get your logo on the best brand names out there from North Face, Carhartt, Columbia, Russell Outdoor, Adidas and Izod, Van Heusen, Tommy Hilfiger, and more. Your employees will want to rep your brand in Bergen's logoed work apparel. And why not start a new company tradition with Employee Milestones Appreciation Customized Gear? Elevate your brand with Bergen Customized Company Apparel. From polos to sweatshirts, ball caps to bags and more. Bergen does it all. Give them a call to get a quote within 24 hours. Or stop by the showroom Monday through Thursday on Iron Gate in Bellingham. And online at bergenembroidery.com. This is Dick Donahue, host of Wealth Wake Up here on KGMI. These are interesting and challenging times with all the political turmoil both in the United States and overseas. How we address our financial decisions are top of mind with our clients and prospects. My many years of experience as a financial advisor are valuable as we help our clients paint a picture of their ideal lives. The independence we have through LPL Financial to offer non-proprietary solutions is equally important. So call us at Asset Advisors at 3 360-733-1200. Check out our website at wealthwakeup.com and join us at 11 a.m. each Saturday for Wealth Wake Up Live or 9 a.m. Sunday mornings for Wealth Wake Up here on KGMI. The opinions voiced on Wealth Wake Up or in our podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. MyBellinghamNow.com is an exciting new news site covering Bellingham, Whatcom, and surrounding areas. Breaking news, community and business updates, local crime and sports reports, the stories that connect us and make this an incredible place to call home. Connect with our community like never before on the all-new MyBellinghamNow.com. And the best part, it's 100% free. No news hidden behind a paywall ever. MyBellinghamNow.com. Your community, your news, just a click away. MyBellinghamNow.com. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. No gimmicks, just the highest quality systems, 0% interest financing, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Rely on West Mechanical heating, air conditioning, and electrical. Contact them today at westmechanical.net. 
Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and MyBellinghamNow.com. CBS News Brief. A jury has ordered former President Trump to pay $83.3 million to E. Jean Carroll on top of the $5 million a jury awarded to her last year in a sex assault and defamation case. Loyola professor Jessica Levinson says. I think it will be difficult to obtain this money, but I think... Obviously, with a verdict this big and with a former president who brags about his wealth, then it is possible. Senators are still trying to close a deal on immigration policy. And White House spokeswoman Karine Jean-Pierre says. House Republicans, they have a choice to make, right? They have to choose whether they want to solve a problem or, you know, get in the way. President Biden is reaching out for black voters in South Carolina, where former President Trump is the favorite for Republicans. CBS News political analyst Leslie Sanchez. It's a general election campaign now, despite the friction that may be happening on the Republican side, I think for all intent purposes, people see Trump as the Republican nominee. CBS News Brief. I'm Allison Keyes. All right. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Live. If the conversation hasn't been stimulating enough, if your coffee wasn't strong enough, a little motorhead will get you going. I'm bouncing around in the studio. We're talking with State Representative Alicia Rule, talking about public safety, talking about all sorts of stuff that's really pertinent in Whatcom County right now. Uh, right before the break, we were talking about diversion. Also, 676-KGMI, 676-5464. If you have a question for Alicia, our producer, Emma, will take your name, your city, and your question, and we'll try to work it in. Alicia, welcome back. Hi, great to be back. Great to have you back. So we were we were kind of talking. We kind of started to tiptoe around the edges of diversion, and you know, one of those things, and one of the things that's really worried me about the Whatcom County process is that when you talk to some of the some of the folks who served on the local needs assessment, um, they were wanting to use diversion as a rationale to decrease incarceral capacity when in fact you have to have incarceral capacity for every person in that diversion program. So when they decide to take a week off, we can give them a week vacation in our hotel. And so they remember what they're diverting from. You know, I have not been in those local conversations. Well, lucky but... for you, because you'd be more <laughs> frustrated than you are talking to me. Um, it sounds like there's some good work being done on, you know, kind of both ends. My, my, I guess, position is to look at the more global issue and make sure that our laws allow what our local government decides to do or what you, you all, our local people, need us to do. Um, so we can create laws and we can fund things. And uh, I really appreciate hearing the detailed work that's happening in implementation. I was very supportive of building uh, a justice center, and I'm, I'm glad we're moving forward on that. There's no doubt that we need it. Uh, I wish we could build it faster. Yeah, um, and, you know, the key thing with implementation and is that – we can't repeat the mistakes of 1984 when our other last jail, current jail was built. And that is not having enough capacity to meet the need. If we were to build 649 beds in the new justice center 
on day one in 2029, we would have booking restrictions. Isn't that exciting to know? Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably um, only comforting to know that the local folks who have been working on those details are bipartisan group that I know they're going to have really hard conversations. And I'm I'm not jealous about the conversation. It sounds very difficult. Oh, I'm sure uh, that you're having very similar conversations at a different level. We are. We're having different conversations at a different level. And what we're trying to look at is, you know, how do we rebuild? Well, what I'm trying to look at, and I'm trying to get my colleagues to join me in, is how do we look at rebuilding a system that can keep the community safe and also rehabilitate those who have offended, knowing that life is long and uh, there's opportunity for grace. But we also have to put in the tools to, to help that to be real, right? We can't just expect people to know how to do better if we haven't given them something new to work with. So, right, and there um, needs to be the capacity for accountability. There, there does need to be capacity in both the incarceral system and also the, the piece that I've been working on now that we have that funded, it, you know, through the voters. Thank you, voters. But also we need to look at all of these other systems that we are woefully lacking in so that they can work together. One of the things I've been working on is, hey, Here's another crisis to talk about, our youth. We are in a youth crisis. Do you know what that means? If we don't invest now, we are going to have a very uphill battle moving forward with our local youth and across the state. Um, the best thing we can do is invest in them right now, and I don't believe that we're doing it to the to nearly even close to the capacity that we need to. We no. are not investing enough there to prevent the very thing that you're talking about. Well, and I don't feel I don't feel like we're creating good boundaries. Um, you know, I've had some interactions with some of the local school districts and things, and you know, there's a move, and and actually, this probably goes to some legislation. You're going to shift us in a little. We're going to shift in a little bit different direction. I don't know if you heard. Did you hear my interview with Angie Burke? Um, I haven't yet been able to listen to it, but I did have a chance to sit down with Angie over coffee for you know a good amount of time and for a lot of years so i'm yeah. familiar with their story mm-hmm. i mean you know and 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 that talks about the whole the whole thing where we've protected our youth and I, i'm going to put protected in quotation marks to the point that their parents if the kid doesn't want them to know the the parents can't even know what's going on with their own child who they're supposed to be responsible for helping and sheltering and working with and helping to move forward mm-hmm. um you know my my good friend Jeannie burton who i'm going to connect you with because she's in the Lacey area phenomenal lived experience story if you're not familiar with her yet um oh i have actually yes. i connected with Jeannie burton with Jeannie. thanks yeah. thanks for yeah thanks for bringing uh, her up. she's she, got a pretty incredible story yeah she's it's it's pretty powerful and her she's got some really good things to take a look at but you know by creating that wedge, that protection, you know, and I think it's the doctrine of unintended consequences to your point about youth, you know, we're concerned about our youth and we do these things that we think are in their best interest in protecting them. But, you know, taking the parents out of the, out of the equation, it, it, again, here's another contradiction. There's legislation currently, um, you know, we've got to get it right now. The department, 
Department of Children and Youth Services will not take a kid away if their parent is addicted to fentanyl or meth or heroin or any of those things. They won't take the kid away. They say well, that's not they you, say that's not I, grounds. I am well aware of this because I have a bill on this that I prime sponsored and introduced. And if you I mean the amount of hours spent in deep conversation over this trying to find a path forward is painful. Um, this is such a challenge because we have systematic trauma and we have communities across the state who've experienced disproportionate removals. And, and I recognize that as somebody who has been, um, you know, in child protective services, I have worked at literally every part of that system. So people think about removals, but it's very small amount of what happens in that system. Um, what happens in that system is there are great efforts to preserve the family. There are great efforts to do absolutely everything but removal. We are lacking in services, so I do believe we need to do not only more services, but different and better services, effective services, ones that are tailored to families. We have to do that, but there are times where we, we must protect children. So one of the ones that you're talking about in terms of fentanyl exposure, I believe very strongly, you know, one pill can kill. We know the data shows that children, especially young children, are dying at a much higher rate than they were before because what do they do? They put it in their mouth. It looks right. like candy. Right. If you've been around little kids at all, you you know what they're going to do when they see that. They're going to put it straight in their mouth. They put everything in their mouth. Right. But does, we does are that not bill, through that bill yet. <laughs> does, does your bill cover other class one and class two narcotics and drugs uh, like will, like methamphetamine and we well there's heroin and, so this is interesting. There are actually two bills: ones in the criminal system and ones in the child welfare system. There, and I'm on both of them, so I'm trying my best on both of these. Uh, there's not an easy path, but I will tell you this: the in the criminal system, we named. Several years back, I wasn't there, but somebody named methamphetamines as a certain um, class of drugs that you have specifically you you have to act on in the criminal statute. Fentanyl is not at the same level as methamphetamines. So the bill that Representative Hackney and I are trying to push forward would equalize those because we know that fentanyl is so deadly. Um, we also know that methamphetamines is deadly, but at least to be able to bring that up for an endangerment charge. Uh, and we can't get a hearing. So, you know, yet. But we're going to work on it. That's right. partly what we're here to do. Um, and we have lots of ideas about our strategy to try to get a hearing on that bill. Uh, but, you know, this this is a challenge because right. folks have pretty strong feelings, and they should. We, we have an obligation to protect the civil rights of parents, and we have an obligation to protect children. And those things innately work against each other when you have a situation like this. But I really, yeah, but when you're talking about, when you're talking about a class one or class two drug, but when you're talking about a child who's going through depression, who's going and seeing a doctor or a counselor and the parents are not drug users and the parents are not abusive um, in any, in any proven way. And the kid can check a box and say, I don't want my parents to know anything about what I'm up to or what's going on. That's a problem. So that's, a that's the doctrine that's a of unintended issue. consequences getting in the way. 
Yeah, so it's a different issue, but kind of rubs in a different way. So going back to fentanyl, I just want to finish to say this, because I'm very, very involved in this and, and uh, frustrated. Can we add meth believe, Can we add meth to that, Bill? Because the, the schizopsycho yeah, impacts of meth. Right now. <laughs> So here's what we're here's what we're doing. So you get into a position where you are going to have to, in an, and I'm working with Democrats and Republicans on this. We have to sit down and say, do we want to get something through, or do we want to get so stuck that we get nothing through? So it will likely be a negotiation until the bitter end, um, and I don't know how it'll end. But I would I will love to, to know. Can you get me a list? I want to. I want a list of representatives and senators in our state legislatures who are defending fentanyl and meth around children. I want a list. I want their names. I want their email addresses, and I'm sure our listeners do too. Guess what? Can you believe it? This has got to be the fastest hour in radio. You're listening to Saturday Morning Live. This is Lyle Sorensen with Representative Alicia Rule. We'll be right back after this break. Adventure has its own style. It's made of tall trees, unpaved trails, snow, and ice. And at the center, the most capable Subaru Outbacks yet. Stop by Dewey Griffin and check out all the 2024 Subaru Outbacks with financing as low as 1.9% on all these beauties. Limited Touring Wilderness, Limited XT, and Touring XT trim models. See Dewey for all the details. Dewey has a huge inventory of new Subarus from the 8-passenger Ascent to the Forester, the Impreza, and the all new cross track. A Subaru from Dewey Griffin will get you and your family where you need to go safely. Plus, when you purchase a Subaru from Dewey, you'll be supporting a local dealership that supports our local community. Need service? Check out Dewey's Express Service Center. It's fast, convenient, and best of all, there's no appointment necessary. Open six days a week. Stop by for your next oil change or any other minor maintenance, and you'll get a free car wash with any service. Dewey Griffin Subaru. Community minded, community driven, and the only Subaru certified tire and service center in whatcom county need a job full-time part-time and seasonal jobs available now at hiremewa.com hiremewa.com is your hyper local job board it's free and easy to use you can even upload your resume and let business owners find you hiremewa.com the go-to job board for northwest washington powered by this cascade radio group station and by elements hospitality in linden elements hospitality is seeking high level experienced project managers skilled in managing large-scale commercial construction or renovation projects for details Head to HireMeWa.com today. Staying connected with your community each Saturday at noon with KGMI's Community Connection as local business leaders share their expert advice. Sponsored by Vibrant USA, Pacific Security, Lighthouse Mission Ministries, Feller Heating and Air Conditioning, and Columbia Fire. Community Connection, Saturdays at noon on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Live. I'm Lyle Sorensen. I'm here today with State Representative Alicia Rule. We are kind of talking about all sorts of stuff. If it makes you uncomfortable, we're happy. Alicia, <laughs> welcome back. Thank you, Lyle. So let's let's pick up where we where we left off. There, we're we're kind of talking about you know a lot of times we've got things that really seem contradictory in our policies, right? On one hand, we want to protect and help our children, 
And so there are times when they need to be taken away. And then we have other laws when they don't really need to be taken away. But because we give the kid um, these rights, they can check a box and the doctors won't tell the parents what's going on with their kid. You know, which which really like in the case of Angie uh, Burke really gets got in the way of her being able to know how to best deal with their daughter. Right. You know, so we've got these we've got these things that are really contradictory. Well, I mean, humanity is contradictory. And so one thing I know for absolute sure in trying to never shy away, which I I don't. The one thing I, I can tell you is I go in knee deep in the hardest issues every session because I think that our people deserve that. But when we're having the hardest conversations and they, I promise you, get very heated at times. But, you, you know, I think you have to recognize and respect that there are no perfect answers. And so our, our, our system is meant to find that balance, to, to figure out what could be the best path right. to move forward. Um, How do we I, fix I, these was, overcorrections, though? Yeah, this, I mean, that's what democracy is. Here we go. Let's go. I think, you know, that's that's what we're trying to do here. At least that's what I'm trying to do is let's make sure it works. It can't just work in theory. It can't be just some sort of philosophical idea. We need to sit down and look at how does this work in families' lives. And then when it gets really complicated, you know, we have to re- recognize that we need to find a balance between something that's broad enough but also narrow enough to work. Mm-hmm. Um and that's where really the good work is, but it requires bipartisan, bicameral, multi-person input it does. In, I agree. into sustainable outcomes. And yep. that's what we're missing right now. Yes, it um, is. When we, when we don't have that push and pull. And well, that, and that's kind of what the initiatives are for, right? I mean, you guys have six initiatives in front of you with over 400,000 signatures apiece. We we do. And, and I love that our the, democracy those has Those are people components. saying, hey, we think this is messed up. I mean, that's that's a pretty yeah. pretty big outpouring of, you know, call it protest if you want. There, There isn't much more direct about democracy than the initiative process. Um, so I love that people can make their voice heard in multiple ways. I always do my best to be a listening legislator, and that's not always popular. Um I mean, I promise you that's not always popular, particularly within other legislators that have a different philosophy. But I think it's really important that people understand that they have multiple ways of getting their voice heard. And that is another way, another pathway to reach this process. And I love that. Yeah. No, 100 percent. Well, and, you know, I think a lot of times people don't understand. Um, I've, I've visited a lot with a lot of local officials and at all different levels. And it's amazing how many times I get a response like, um, I want to get reelected and the party doesn't like that, right? I mean, that's my paraphrase of, you know, a much longer conversation. But, you know, what I try to explain to people who we elect as leaders is that leadership means that you do the right thing for your community because you know that's what needs to happen. And in that process, you're going to step on some toes and you're going to stiff arm some people. But that's the only way we're going to get the ball across the goal line, you know, is doing what we know. And that's what leadership is, is doing what we know is the right thing for our community, even when it's not popular. 
That's right. I think that's called integrity as well. My parents taught me that that's a primary value, and I do my very best. I am not perfect by any means, but I do my very, very best to be able to say I represented the people well, I listen deeply, and I do what I say and I say what I mean, you know, as much as possible. That's that's always been my goal, and I continue to do that. This is hard work, but I'm honored to do it. Yeah. Well, and and I know from the conversations that we've had, um, you're very committed to the work, and, and you take what you do very seriously. You're extremely committed, so we do appreciate that. House Bill 2030 that would make it so that someone in prison could run against you. Talk to me about that one. This is inappropriate. I'm going to say it anyway. I mean, I hope so. Please let that be my opponent. But that's not that's not what you were asking, I realize. No, um, I mean, I was being a little sarcastic kidding. and facetious because it's I. very <laughs> ironic, right? I mean, No, I mean, I'm not on that committee, so I don't know what all happens there. Speaking but, of overcorrecting. Um, yeah, I, I uh, well, it's not something that um, I would support. I mean, that goes beyond letting the inmates run the prison. It's like, hey, let's just let them out and let them run the state, too. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, I'm not sure. I, I, I couldn't speak for what's happening on that bill. I'm not directly familiar with it. But I I would just say that there are some things that we need to be working diligently on that I wish we would spend our time on. Yeah. You know, but it's interesting sometimes the things that get shoved through when you have an unopposed minority or majority, I mean, you know, it, yeah. it, it kind of allows for the overcorrections to run amok. Maybe, um, maybe, but I think what you might not see on the outside is that not everybody in either party, and this is true in either party is a monolith. And so the conversation that happens internally when we're doing it well, and it does take effort, um, it, it's more nuanced than that. In fact, you could probably see it in some of our committee hearings that <laughs> that, that we are not a monolith. Do the, um, do, but at the end of all the process, yeah, do the votes reflect the dissonance or the difference of opinions? Because what I see a lot of times are party line votes. I've seen this on a local level where um, a county level leader will make an impassioned speech in a meeting and it's like oh they're gonna shoot that down and then they fall into line and vote for it anyway you know and and me being the kind gentle and never outspoken person that i am is the type who will congratulate them on their passionate speech and then say it's too bad your vote didn't match right so you see that on both sides um, I saw that in committee the other day, and I thought it was strange uh, to to speak one way about it and vote a different way. I don't do that. I I, I think I, I don't think I've ever done that. But I think that if you look at um, you know, there's floats, there's votes in committee, and then there's floor votes where you see everybody out on the floor, and it it, it shows up, and so you know it, it lights up, and you can see how people voted. Right. There are many times where there are people who break off and what you aren't seeing on the floor is how many times bills died because people broke off. So that, that does happen. It happens all the time. Yeah. Alicia, I got a note stuck in front of me on the glass here. We had a caller while we were talking about this. Um, and 
Colleen from Blaine wants to know, are, is there anything in the works legislatively for educational programs for parents about how to handle addicted children? And it's interesting this is coming from Blaine because I've had a number of people reach out to me over the last 30 days or so talking about um, serious issues in the Blaine School District, clear down to the middle school level uh, with, with kids, you know, greening out, overdosing on pot or, you know, other uh, shroomies, gummy psilocybin gummies and all sorts of stuff. Well, I want to, I have so much, can we do another show on that? But one thing I want to say very quickly is that um, we have, this is what I meant about not investing in our youth properly. If you think that's a problem now, and it is, it's going to be a real problem later. But most importantly, this is what I want everyone to hear. 77% of non-fentanyl drugs that are out there have fentanyl in them. Mm-hmm. Our kids and our parents need to know that. We can't say it enough. That's how kids die by accident. Right. Well, well many, whatever many... happened to D.A.R.E.? Yeah, I, I'm not sure about People Dare, mock it and ridicule edu- it now, but I mean, you know. There's an educational program that there's educational funding that's been proposed. And so I think we are going to see some more of that. But I want to just use the opportunity to make sure that all the listeners know this, because we just we have to keep talking about this. Because people don't know. I spoke with two mothers who both lost their their young people to fentanyl deaths. They mm-hmm. were not drug users. They mm-hmm. were not people, you know, they were, they were 15, 16 years old, found dead in their bed by their mother. And that happened because of a one-time incident. Right. So two things. You have to have this opioid reversal medication available everywhere. That means families need to have it with them. That means uh, schools need to have it. I have a bill introduced for that to happen because it's not what you think it is. Right. It's a danger everywhere. So, I heard. Uh, no, go ahead. I I heard a story of somebody who was accidentally exposed on the job recently in Bellingham um, when they were just in the middle of their workday. So I just want to take the opportunity for people to understand it's available through the Department of Health for free. Uh, you can go on their website. We need people to understand that you got to have it around. Right. So you're, you're bringing up a whole other point, and, and that is harm reduction. You know, these educational programs, I think it's really important on the drug thing that we really hit hard on abstinence, say nope to dope kind of thing. And a lot of times I think we go way too much on, well, but if you're going to use, make sure you use safe and have Narcan and, and use with a friend and all these kinds of things, which in my mind is pretty inappropriate for minors, right? You know, I mean, the, the questions, you know, it's like, where are they getting psilocybin shroombies? Where are they getting, where are they getting weed at, you know, at 10 years old? Yeah. Hey, we are running out. Of, we're coming up against it. We're going to hear bumper music pretty soon. I'm going to give you the last word, Alicia. Yeah, I think it takes all hands on deck. And I don't think there's much more important than working on this fentanyl issue. So that's why I'm totally committed to it. It is an uphill battle, but there's no way to get through it without doing it together. We have to work together. All hands on deck. I agree. All hands on deck. It's not an either or. It's this and that. It's and solutions. You're listening to Saturday Morning Live. I'm Lyle Sorensen. Filling in today for Ashley Buttonstone. want to thank our special guest, Alicia Rule, for a fantastic open conversation. We'll see. I'll actually see you next week on Saturday Morning Live. <laughs>